Hello everybody and welcome to the technical area. The Football Manager Podcast brought to you by me, your host, Gaffer Gramer, once again. All talk seems to be of squad selection, player form, worrying tactics, tweaks and changes that need to be made. We even need to start talking about manager movements and manager plans. That's only within the football manager community. Never mind the start of the World Cup yesterday. We finally, I suppose, got into uh, this festival of football that we've waited a long time for. It's, I suppose you could say, very difficult to focus on the football with all things considered. But I suppose one place we can focus on all the football is within our football manager saves and in, the, of course, the community interactions that do go to. So whether you're boycotting the football or you're taking a keen interest, whatever it is your stance is, here we are with Football Manager 23. We're nearly approaching over two, three weeks in now at this stage. I suppose we can all start thinking about, you know, where it is we're going to be going at this point, what changes need to be made, and I suppose it's important we keep filling in those posts on the forums if we are encountering any issues within our saves. Today we're going to be talking about the front line. The attackers, the glamorous players in football, they seem to be most often than not. And I suppose it's very important we do talk about them because with the front line they are our goal getters. Front line is possibly for some the most important line of players on the pitch. Because goals win games. Defences might win you championships, but your attacking play will win you games. If you're struggling for form or looking just to get over the edge, whatever it is, it's your ability to get goals that will take you over the line. Many see forwards and strikers as these true glamour players. It's been a long time since we've spoken about that defensive line. It's a long time since we spoke about Fabio Cannavaro being the best player in the world, winning the Ballon d'Or. It's a long time since we spoke about that defensive line having the glamour of players like that. So, despite times changing and us, you know, giving them a little bit more recognition, a little bit more attention than before, the front lines they just seem to grab all the headlines. If you look at the Euro, the World Cup squad for this year. You could argue that the Spain squad we're looking at is is strikerless. So we've seen the front lines change in football over the past number of years, especially since the days of Pep Guardiola's Barcelona. And of course the Spain squads that evolved from Guardiola's Barcelona squads of the late 2000s, early 2010s. Front lines in the sport have changed. From the front five of the early days, the game has now gone to the lone striker role in a 4-3-3. And we've now seen even games like that we said being decided by teams without a striker. Or the strikers moving out to wide areas. Become wide forwards. But in football manager, if we need to find our way forward, if we need to push forward with these front lines, and we need to find a way to win games, I suppose it's time we get talking about what the front line can do for us and how to get the best out of ours. When we talk about the front line, we can talk about the one, the front line of two, the three, 
the four, the five, even the nine and the ten. A front line can lead to so many discussions when we talk about football. A good attack can compensate for teams where the back line may not be at the same level. And although these may not be championship winning sides, what they are are teams to draw the eyes of fans as you try to outscore opponents. In setting up a front line, we need to consider many variables. The biggest thing being, what way do we combine the 11 players in our team to attack and defend? And like that, if we are setting up our front line, if we are setting up our team to attack and be the most effective in attack, we all can't approach it in the same way. All of our strikers are different. We all have to set up the best way for the talents and the and the styles that these players do bring to the to the game. Now, with over fifty percent of people in the community saying they play with a front line of three. I'd assume, for many, that is two wide players and, of course, the final player being a a central player. How you set up totally depends on the style of player you have up front. And so that means when I'm talking through this podcast, I can't give you the best way because I don't know the exact team you're playing. For me, this year with Arundel, I've got target forwards, I've got shadow strikers, I've got pressing forwards. So for me setting up, I can't give you the same piece of advice that I would use for myself. You know, if we think of the best strikers in the world, we think of the way their teams have been set up to try and bring out the best in them. There's a great 442 article, which I'll I'll list down below. And what that does is that lists the 10 best strikers in the world right now. Whether you agree with the list or not, What's very clear from the list is these are 10 very different forwards. Lotaro Martinez, Aubameyang, Vlavic, Kane, Nunez, Mbappe, Lewandowski, Benzema, Haaland. How you set up for a team with Erling Haaland is not how you set up for a team with Kylian Mbappe. Lotaro Martinez, Gabriel Jesus, could you say two different forwards? Yes. So we need to consider how different our front line of players are. Because the role of a forward can be broken down into different ways. Those who play the line. Those who stretch the line. And those who pull the defensive line apart. And how we can use our front line to manipulate space up and down and across the pitch will be key to the success of our team. How we can control, how we can manipulate space in the final third how we can disrupt the opposition's defensive line, their defensive structure. We need to play to the strengths of these players. We need to find a weakness and play to that. There's a great piece Cleon wrote recently on View from the Touchline on choosing the best striker role. I'll link it down below. It's well worth reading because Cleon has broken down the striker role into some very simple categories. A little bit different to the ones I use there, but still, nonetheless, as you would expect with Cleon, it fits perfectly in with the thinking of football manager. So the ro- if we want to think of the nine, the nine tends to be the central four, the central striker. And the role of the number nine has changed. While we do see some instances of the traditional Niles self appearing in world football, 
we have what some may call the power nine. And we have what others may refer to as the false nine. And what we mean is we, these are totally different types of number nines we can have. It's a, so if we have a front man like Ed and Jekyll, a player who plays with his back to goal and brings teammates into the game, how do I support him? Where does the support come from? If you've got a front man up front, a powerful number nine like Romelu Lukaku, who's capable of outmuscling defenders, holding up the ball and being a true driving force, how do you play to his strengths? Or if your front man is someone like Roberto Firmino, a false nine, someone who pulls the opposition defences apart, looks for space, picks the ball up there, how do you play to his strengths? How can you confuse those rigid central defenders more? And how can you have a player who complements this false nine, who creates and finds space for the team? And the way the false nine has become in world football is not uncommon. And the way we're seeing the two eights and the four three three is also not uncommon. Because what we're seeing is the death of the 10. And it's something I've spoken about before. So most teams are now building up without a number 10. But if you are trying to play the number 10, how are you using the 10 to complement the front line? And how are you using that 10 to be a part of your attack? Because if the number 9 has evolved to this point that we all see now in world football, does the 10 really have a place? Should we consider then the number 10 as a forward, a deeper goal threat, or is it a link between the front and the back? In using a number 10, am I blurring the lines between a false nine and an attacking midfielder? These are all questions we need to think when we are setting up our team. And I think, despite Liverpool's struggles, I know I go on about them so often, but the way we've seen Roberto Firmino change in the early stages of this season before the World Cup break from being the 9 of the Liverpool team to what we're now seeing as a 10 at the tip of a diamond in midfield. That means if we have a player like that on our team and we do change tactic and approach, our team could suddenly be in an awful lot better place to control the space if our usual 4-3-3 approach isn't working. Or if our 4-4-2 diamond approach isn't working. Another player who plays in a similar way in that kind of blurred 10, number 10 role, but who's an attacker or is he a midfielder, is Paolo Dybala. And despite his injuries over the years, what we've seen from Paolo Dybala at Juventus, and now what we'll see at Paolo Dybala at Roma, is a player with an eye for goal. In his 293 appearances for Juventus, we have a player here who scored 115 goals and 48 assists. So we're looking at an attacking player here. Would you consider Dybala to be a striker? Some of you might. Some of you might not. But with a player who plays like that as a withdrawn forward, whose goals outnumber his assists, you'd have to consider him surely as a goal-scoring player in your side. But Dybala is, of course, not just a goal scorer. He's a good passer. He's someone who's good at protecting the ball if he's leading the line. He's strong and elusive in in attacking movements. He's press resistant. 
He's an attacking midfielder, some might say, with a striker's finishing. So is he a forward? Again, we're blurring the lines. How would you put him in your football manager team? If you'd Paolo Tabala, where would you slot him in? As a false nine? A deep line forward? A Trek Artista? Trek Artista is in the front line or is a 10? A shadow striker? Because he is the perfect creative player for a front line. When the front line has someone like Tammy Abraham, Andrea Bellotti leading it. He's a player who relishes freedom of movement across the pitch. Who's shown an ability to operate from wider areas as well. So when we're talking about building a front line, we have to consider the strength of the players we have at our disposal. And then it's not just the positions we put them in. It's not just the roles, but it's also the duties we bring them. Because in our team, we have to consider the first and the second and third attackers. It's a great article recent football news i've linked it down below what they say is in the team there are three attackers the player in possession the attacker who's one pass away and the attacker who's more than one pass away so that first attacker is one who leads the line who must maintain possession get forward and open space up the second attacker must support the ball must support the player in possession Create more options for this first attacker then as well. And move into dangerous spaces. And finally the third attackers. Those players who are more than one pass away. They must move off the ball. They must make space again. They must distort the opposition's defensive shape. So when you consider the first attacker, the second attacker and the third attackers. Your front line suddenly moves all the way down through the pitch. It's not then just the three or the two or the four, whatever it is you have up front. It is those other players there as well. It is the supporting midfield. It's even the supporting defenders if you play that way. The wing backs, the full backs. Is it a libero? If you're choosing just to play with a front one, a target man, isolated potentially, what is his function in your team? So think of your style. Am I link? Do um when I get to this player, is he linking the play? Is he stretching the line? Is he holding the ball up? You think of his strengths. Is he good in the air? So do I cross him? Is he a player who's quick? So I put the ball into space or play to his feet. Where do I support him from? Is this an old-fashioned big man approach? Again, I or crusader, crusader. Apologies, apologies, I can never say that name, I apologise. But um, great piece on the byline last year on how to use a target forward. And it's a role I've used last year and it's a role I'm using again the football manager this year. And I really am enjoying. But of course, we blur the lines as a front one, how does it become a front two? You know, and then you have to think of a dynamic and relationship between the support and players and the forwards you have to think of the way these players link up how they manipulate space you know is one player a focal point and the other player operating in space almost in a free roll like the ball is one player going to come short one player going to push on are you going to press with both are they going to be like two dogs let off a lead chasing away 
just harrying and hassling the opposition defence. So getting a balance right here, we have to then think of how it relates all the way down through the midfield. How it goes back to the defence. The balance of your front line will have implications all the way here. So if you're using the two, it lets you have eight kind of supporting players in behind. But if you up the number then to a three, you count the goalkeeper in as the eighth then, or is it the seven? So about 50% of the community using the front three. Most often I can imagine it's um, a narrow a narrowing front three in some ways in that we've got an inverted winger inverted uh, inside forward on the wings with a main attacker down the middle but of course then we have to think of the duties we give these roles as well are they attacking are they supporting if he's on attacking where does the balance come from in transition and in behind when we lose possession so getting the balance right, getting the move in the space, getting the links right, is the four too isolated? Is this player too wide? He's a very, very, very delicate balancing act with three. That we make sure that that front man is not too isolated and that the wings as well aren't vacated too much as well, that that space is occupied. You know, we think of the way so many teams have played in the past. Robin and Ribery for Bayern. Are they who are arguably inverted wingers? Manny and Salah for Liverpool with Firmino and Giotto up front. How their relationships changed with depending on the striker. With Firmino, Manny and Salah would attack the space a little bit more. Where it's Giotto, they'd support the attacking a little bit more. Think of the evolution what we've seen this year of PSG's front line. How Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe have really changed. Are they diff they are different this year? But is that down to Messi settling in? Is it Christophe Galtier's tactics? What way have we seen PSG evolve? And what has been the key? We know, you know, if we read the stories, that Kylian Mbappe is unhappy that a proper number nine wasn't hasn't come in. Because we've seen that resurgence of the number nine in recent years in European football. The rise of Haaland, Darwin Nunez, Romelu Lukaku. These focal point strikers, these centre players, the ones who glue and hold the team together, Giroud, Dzeko. Look at the success they've brought their teams. Now, if we can look at the England squad we see playing today, the England 11 selected to play around, it's a 4-2-3-1. And it's Mason Mount in support of the central Harry Kane figure as a striker. Many would see Mason Mount as an attacking midfielder. If it was in an Argentinian sense, would we see Dybala or Messi playing in that 10 role behind the central striker, Lotaro? Is that a front four then? Where some might say England's it's it's a lone striker role with three in support. So is a four two three one then a formation that has a front four? And then where does balance and imbalance come from on this side? England we see Bellingham and Rice starting now today. Could we have seen if it was 
uh, Calvin Phillips and Declan Rice. We'd have had two sitters. So you'd see two disciplined midfielders with Bellingham, with someone who's a bit more energetic, box to box. Goal scoring threat, you could even argue. So, is a front four then what we're seeing? Is the team then balanced by the midfield? So in a 4-2-3-1, we really have to take stock of what it is we have in our side. How we set up the players' roles in support. Is the 10 an attacking midfielder? Is he a midfielder or is he a forward? And then how your defenders contribute to the way that front line plays. Or is your 10 then a third midfielder? Almost an advanced centre midfielder in a 4-3-3. How we get the balance right is very important with these front lines. How we manipulate and change space. Two wingers playing out wide in a front three will play very different to how two inverted, even one inverted winger or inside forward will play in a 4-3-3. So we need, again, to go back to that article, the way Cleon has spoken about the three different categories of striker and build our front line about occupying the central spaces. Players who can target the channels inside of fullbacks and wingbacks. And of course, players then who can support them in those second and third lines. Even as we see now in football manager, the way four teams may be playing wingbacks, teams playing attacking fullbacks, there seems to be an awful lot of space in the channel between the fullback and the wingback. Or sorry, the fullback and the centre-back, the wingback and the centre-back. So if you were to target that with balls down the channel and players who move there, you've then got the ability then, you could say, to, to cross the ball in, center the ball, whatever way it is coming in. But if you've only got one central striker and one of your wide forwards, whether it's a winger or like an inverted winger, is moving to the channel, you've only got one player to aim for. So how do you support that with the second and third line? Because as we see in football, it's great to have a goal-scoring striker. It's great to have a striker who will score 25, 30 goals a season. They are a luxury to have. They are worth their weight in gold. But just like the way the 10 has moved out of football, if the 10 doesn't play well, is the team's creative play then gone? And in the same way, if your goal-scoring number 9 doesn't have a good game, is your team's goal scoring threat gone? So what we need to make sure that when we build our team up, the front line isn't the only place we can score goals from. It's important to have a goal scoring threat all across the team. Because goals do win games. And games is what can save a manager's job. Many teams have revamped their front lines. Manchester City win a league without a striker from a lot of last season, you could say. Although Jesus did feature. And he played very well. The City side we often saw didn't have a recognised striker. They've brought in Julian Alvarez and Erling Haaland to give their front line a true number nine. 
to add those bonus goals. Liverpool have brought in Darwin Nunez, a totally different type of forward, taking the space vacated by Sadio Mane, who himself has gone to Bayern Munich and moved into a front line that was vacated by Robert Lewandowski. So we're now seeing a strikerless Bayern. Barcelona themselves have returned to, the tr- to having a true number nine in Robert Lewandowski. Some may say he's a step up from Luke de Jong, but it's a long time since we've seen a Barcelona side with a true number nine, whether it was Samuel Eto'o or Zlatan Ibrahimovic. So think of your team's philosophy. What roles will help create your style? And how can you combine them? Great guide to FM article down below if you want to you know, get a little bit more insight on the attacking roles in a team. But is your front line shaped by one of your main methods of supply? Have you got a team with strong wing play? A team that's good in possession? Or is your team set up for counter-pressing? And you have to ask yourself that question. Am I building this team to suit the strengths of my forwards? Or is it based off the collective strengths of the team elsewhere? And my last question is this. Is there a perfect front line? Just before this podcast ends, I just want to say thank you for listening. Thank you for getting involved. Thank you for bearing with me on the delay, I suppose you could say, the, the gap between episodes. Hopefully, you'll be hearing from me again very soon. But thank you so much for listening. Enjoy whatever form of football it is you choose to take over the next days and weeks, whether it's what's going on in Qatar or what's going on in your laptop screen when you open up Football Manager. But I'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Take care. Stay safe. Bye now.